0: Thank you. Thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you that we as a church can be connected with all your saints in history. We're part of one long story. Jesus, is a story that you put the marker in the ground for two thousand years ago. And we get to be a part of that. Thank you that we can meet together today. Thank you that if we want to meet together today. It's just because of you. And we want to honour you today. We want to welcome your presence. And I pray that your spirit will guide us as we as we get to know what your heart is, Jesus. I pray that you would bless this morning, that you would prepare our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. <clears throat> You're good? Yeah. Morning. Morning. There we go. <laughs> Someone's awake. Uh, I had a lot of thank you. We can have more coffee next time. <laughs> um right it's um it's a pleasure to to be preaching again this morning um i want to share something that's been on my heart for the last couple of weeks months even um that i think is actually pretty timely as well now for christmas and for end of the year but first i just want to check because i I spoke with some people like barry who is already on holiday is there anyone here still working at the moment there they're on the corner yes yes Okay. This preach is especially for you. <laughs> uh, holding out. Um, the rest of us are on holiday. Um, for you as well, but perhaps uh, in a different sense. Perhaps it's something to think about for New Year's resolutions in a sense. For how we approach, how we approach life and how we approach rest and what rest really means uh, for us. Um, we'll, we'll see how it goes because uh, Last time I preached, uh, Andrew got up afterwards and started uh, sharing about uh, false prophets. So uh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how it goes today. Uh, hopefully a bit better. But anyway, I want to start today with just with this picture. I saw this picture about a week or two ago. Can you hear me? And uh, it's it's something that really struck me. Um, but if you see this picture, what's the first thoughts? Just shout it out. What's the first thing you think of when you see this? Jesus and man. I can't see it. Joseph and man. Yeah, Joseph that's yeah, man. Rebecca? <laughs> I, I see confusion. Confusion? Yeah. Desperation. Yeah. Homeless. Homeless? Yeah, you're right. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a picture by uh, an artist called Everett Patterson, called Jose y Maria. It's a, it's a picture of Joseph and Mary in a modern-day context. Um, it's just something, I mean we, we, we're used to the nativity scene, like it's something that you look at and it's like, okay that's cute, You've Got yeah. Jesus and sheep and three wise men. Um, but it's one of those things that just like becomes a cliche and we don't realize the shock that that was in history. And this thing, I think, is supposed to shake us up a bit. So, if you see there, you can actually see Joseph trying to figure out, trying to call an inn because there's no place to there's no place to stay. So he's standing at a ticket box, uh, trying to phone to find a place to live or to to stay. And you see Mary with like, you'll see on her sweater she's got like uh, Nazareth High School <laughs> sweater on, sitting on this broken pony. Um, there's a like. I'll, I'll, I think I'll, I'll put a link to it in the, in the podcast as well, but like, yeah. have a look at this. It's, it's, it, there are so many little Easter eggs in this thing about Dave's City Motel yeah. where they want to stay, you know, smoke Wiseman cigarettes, anyone? <laughs> um, but in the middle of this scene, this rainy, stormy sea, it's like the, the artist's idea was that it's actually supposed to be for like, middle-class people looking at this and Next to the road, seeing it, kind of like, it's like IKEA. And like driving past, you know, in the safe comfort of your car, you're not you're not uh, getting wet in the rain, and you're like going on and not like even thinking a second longer. Um, But just to realise what shock it was, and as you can see here, right in the middle of them, is a little green shoot climbing out of the pavement which is a reference to Isaiah, which is a reference to the, um, um, the, uh, what, the branch of Jesse. And a new green shoot will come out, out of the line of Jesse. And, and so the, the thing that I want to talk about today really is, is the kingdom. That is a, that is a picture of, of Christ's kingdom coming in the most unexpected places something that we would actually not like consider for two seconds and just sort of drive past. In the middle of that desperation, in the middle of that unexpected place, we see a sign of, of kingdom life growing there. And um, I think what we've learned this year, especially in the Sermon on the Mount that we went through, what we, what we, we started seeing what, what was Jesus' kingdom that he had in mind. When he started preaching when he lived here on earth, what was his idea of this new kingdom coming? You know, it's a it's a space for his people to live in complete deliverance from oppression. Some of us can testify for direct examples of that, of where we've been delivered by Jesus. It is a space of joy, it is a space of peace, it is a space of being in God's presence. It's a place of, of justice where the right things happen. It's where life, eternal life, actually happens. It's a it's a space where we have, we have joy, where there's healing taking place. And this sounds amazing, and it's all true, and it's all biblical, and this is exactly what Jesus' kingdom is. It's exactly what we long for. But the question really is then, okay, but you know, if Jesus brought the kingdom, why aren't we always living in it? Why aren't we experiencing healing the whole time? Why do we experience people's legs going bust? Why do we experience sadness? Why do we experience injustice, like going on in the country at the moment? Stuff happening that should not be happening. Why do we experience stage six load shedding? It's not okay. And even in our lives, and even in, like, especially like, in our working lives, like, why are we so busy? <laughs> Why don't we have margin where we have this sense of rest? Why do we chase a holiday to get to a place where we can just like relax and take a break from life? Aren't we supposed to live in this kingdom right now? Aren't we supposed to live in a space now where we experience that deliverance, that sense of belonging what we get here in the church on Sundays? And I mean even Still a week ago, like if you, if you ask many people, it kind of becomes cliche now, where you ask someone, how are you tired? Okay, how are you I'm busy? And it becomes like the new normal. I'm tired or I'm busy. It's like, that's the thing that we, that, you know, really like can't wait for the end of this week. You know, I just need to get to the holidays, then everything will be okay. Let me just reach Christmas, then I'll take a week off and then everything will be okay. Well, let me just get through this. I've got this project that I need to get done, and then I'll be okay. But what I've realized, especially in the last couple of months, you know, in our house, we've both been very busy with work and kids and other unforeseen um, stuff that happened around the house, um, that our, our margin became so small and we didn't have time for rest, but I realized that in the middle of that there's an opportunity for God's kingdom to come out that to start trusting in I just need to get this project done for rest is a false hope I just need to get to the end of the week but then something happens on Saturday your car breaks or something else happens and you're like okay Saturday's done okay let me get to Sunday okay but I need to go to church and that's really exhausting but let's do it and then by the end of the day, like, okay, I'm standing at the start of a new week. I'm kind of tired beginning this new week. And it's like, okay, but let me just get through this week and then we'll get to the new weekend and then we'll get to the new weekend. And we end up passing our whole lives just problem solving, getting past this week, getting past the next week, getting past this problem. Okay, if we just get past this, then we'll be okay. But then as soon as you're done with it, there's a new problem and there's a new problem. And I think... There's, a, there's a, a lie that we brought in as a Western 21st century generation where we we kind of want to force God's kingdom. We want to force on our own terms what it means to have rest. We want to take it up like God promises us rest, but we want to we want to make up, up in our own minds. Okay, I'm going to have rest when I get to a holiday that's when I'll have rest. So I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna push hard now, and then I'll have rest. But I think God has something else in mind. And that's, that's what I want to talk about today. Because um, it's something that I, that I think is actually part of, the, part of the eternal life, part of kingdom, is to have rest in everyday life. Where a body rest in December or the weekend is very good and very helpful. And very nourishing but it's not the thing that will sustain you through the week but there's something else um just before i move on to that like what i've seen in speaking with people especially about this like especially if you grew up as a christian m- very quickly we can we can reach the place where we think okay so is this now what what life has come to you? <laughs> is this this now my christian life so like, okay i follow jesus i'm a christian Okay, but I don't see really any difference in my life to the other people I work with. It's like, it's actually not that great. I'm also tired. I'm also, like, I feel unfulfilled. I feel like things are not working out for me. Like, isn't Jesus supposed to help me? Like, start sounding like the older brother. I've slaved all these years for you. Like, aren't you going to help me a bit here? Give me a bit of rest. Just give me an opportunity with my work. Just give me a break so I don't have to go to the hospital with my leg. Just, like, what, what's, what's happening? Like, isn't there supposed to be some perks <laughs> in following Jesus? And it, can, and, it can, and it can really lead to a sense of despondency. It can lead to a place of, like, what's this all for? I'll just, like, carry on. I'll just knuckle down and, and get through this. And we fall in that same rut that the world is in. We just, like, want to get things done. But there's no real life no kingdom life that we see in our lives um, so this is a bit of a downer <laughs> but I want to share some, some gospel today I want to share some good news about, about what God's kingdom and what Jesus' kingdom is and how we can experience that every day now in Christmas now when we sit with weird uncles and aunts at a dinner table and have to make conversation but to find kingdom life there that's what I want to look to. So if we go to the next slide. So one of the big things uh, is, has to do with our expectation. Has to do with what we expect God's kingdom to be like. So we, we tend to think that, okay, Jesus has come, so we should be in heaven now, right? Jesus has come to earth. He's died on the cross. Now, like, what has changed? There should be a new kingdom coming now. We should live in that kingdom. But we don't experience that. And it might be because our expectation of that kingdom is not really aligned with what has really happened. You see, in, in the Old Testament especially, the prophets writing about the Messiah, the coming Messiah, had this vision of this new kingdom, this new Jerusalem, this, this king coming and beating everyone and just restoring peace and like everything will be amazing going forward. But when Jesus came... That's not what they found, that's not what actually happened. Things didn't immediately change. The Jews were still being oppressed by the Romans. To be true, like even like 30 years after Jesus, like the Romans came and completely destroyed Jerusalem. It feels like nothing has really changed in their everyday lives. But the truth is that everything has changed for those who have eyes to see. And that's why someone like Paul, you can't really, he persecuted the Christians because he's like, your Messiah died. The guy who said his Messiah died and nothing has changed. Uh, This is not working. Until he met Jesus and he realized, okay, there's something else happening here. And Jesus spoke to him and led him also into the wilderness where he stayed for a couple of years to just get his head around what this now means. And if you read Paul's letters, all the way from Romans right through, you'll see that's one of his main themes. He's got three main themes that he writes about in all his letters. One of them being God's kingdom being now and not yet. You see, God's kingdom, heaven, eternal life, how things are supposed to be, is one realm. That's how everything, like how we wish things to be. Where we've got joy, we've got peace. Where we don't have Suffering, How, that that longing that we have, that what we have in mind as as you know, what we reach when we die, <laughs> that eternal state of bliss, that is one realm, and that is true. But we live here in this other realm, this earthly, fleshly realm, this kingdom of death, <laughs> where like you know, the second law of thermodynamics, everything like entropy, everything just like goes downward, like age catches up to us all. It's part of this life. This is where we find injustice. This is where we find stuff not working as it should. The brokenness of this world. There's this misalignment. And what the Jews, what the Pharisees believed is that this, or not the Pharisees, the prophets believed was that there's going to be this overlap where God's kingdom is going to come on this kingdom and overwhelm it completely. But that is partially true. That is not exactly what has happened. That has started to happen. So as you can see on the slide here, you've got the kingdom of heaven, you've got the kingdom of earth. But when Jesus came, this is really crucial to to understand, to understand like the whole story and what we're part of with. This is like incredible, it's really changed the way that I think about my role as a Christian, me following Jesus, what it means. Is this, and you know, I got this from the Bible Project, so it's not my idea, but it it really explains it pretty well, these two Venn diagrams. When Jesus came, they started overlapping. And you can see, it, especially if you read John, God came and he tabernacled with us, he, he stayed with us. It's, it's heaven overlapping with, with earth. And wherever Jesus went, there was like pieces of heaven taking place. We see those things that we long for, we see the healing, we th- see the deliverance, we see the presence, we th- see the joy, the peace, wherever he came. But still, he died. went up to heaven and there's still the rest of the world to conquer there's still the rest of the world that is definitely not following Jesus they're definitely not experiencing eternal life and this is really important to know because this really has a an impact on our role today how we view our lives how we see our work how we see what we are doing we're not waiting for one day that heaven will come Heaven will come. But we are now part of Jesus' body. We are part, we are extending what Jesus did in that, you know, three years whenever he did his ministry. We are extending the reach of this heaven to start overlapping with earth. That is our role here. And so it's important to keep this in mind, that we're not just working, you know, you're saved, Christian, great, and now we're working until we die, doing our own thing, like waiting for heaven one day, hopefully it'll be better then. Things are supposed to change in your life today. It's not a hopeful one day thing. It's something that has an impact in everyday life. So we're going to go to the next slide. Our verse for today is from Matthew 11. And this is a very popular verse. Everyone <laughs> really knows this one. But it's so profound. Come to me, all who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Rest for your souls. That is the one thing we long for in the year. That's the one thing we hope Christmas will bring us. That's the one thing we hope December will bring us. Just rest for our souls. (laughs) For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And that longing, that I just need to reach the end of the week, I just need to get through this project, I just need to get this done, I just need to get to the holiday, that, that yearning for rest, it's more than bodily rest, that is a rest for your soul, for your whole being. Don't think soul as like your emotions and intellect, your, like the, the Hebrew word here is connected with your whole being, everything about you, like your drive, your soul, your, your breath, everything, that's, that's, that's a rest that we need so when Jesus says come to me he's saying don't look on your own terms for rest don't try and find rest according to your own schedule and according to your own plan don't think okay I just need to reach the end of the week come to me I'm the one who can give you rest. The rest that you really need. You think you need more sleep? Yes, that is true. But come to me and let me teach you how to rest. Let me teach you how to sleep. Let me teach you how to take a break, how to plan your schedule. It's something that is what it means to have faith in him. Because we can find ourselves in a position where we're like, okay, Jesus, I am following you. I am a Christian. But... I don't really feel rested. Can I trust you? And this is what Jesus keeps on talking about when he talks about having faith in him. Like, Have faith in him. Trust in him. That's what it means to follow him. Have faith in him. That he will help you. That he knows better than you. That rest is so important that it's part of the Ten Commandments. It's one thing built into creation. God rested on the seventh day. It's something... That he knows a lot about, and we can learn from him. And when he says, All who labor and are heavy laden, he's not just talking about, Okay, come to me when you're on holiday, when you have margin, when you don't have work commitments, when you sit on the beach, you know, then take your Bible and, and come to me. He's saying, In the middle of the craziest time of your life, when you labor, when you work so hard you don't have time for anyone you just snap at your kids and you snap at your colleagues and it's just not like you feel so overwhelmed this says, then come to me exactly in that moment those who are heavy laden things that happen in your life you have your own schedule but as we know things happen that definitely go unplanned which is like a heavy load being placed on you. Like, oh, I have to carry this as well. I have to do this as well. I didn't plan for the car to break down going on holiday. Now I have to like fix this as well. I didn't want to do that. I'm heavy laden by so many things. In the middle of that, come to me. Because Jesus himself, he can empathize. He can sympathize with you. Because he was labored and heavy laden. He carried the cross. He carried burdens. He is gentle, we'll get to that now. He will give us rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So the next slide just has a picture of a yoke. I think everybody knows what a yoke is by now. It's such a common symbol, but um, us not really living in an agricultural context anymore. Uh, a yoke is that piece of wood that ties two oxen together. Um, a, common equivalent today would be something like a Woolies bag it's something that helps you carry load it's like you can be like one of those tunnies who walk out of Woolies and say I'm not gonna pay for a bag and take all these stuff and try and carry it to the car or you can take the bag, pay a bit extra make the sacrifice, take the bag and you can walk out with ease because it is light. It's actually lighter to carry the things in a bag than to carry it in your arms which is weird But that's kind of what a yoke does in a a modern day context. He says, take my yoke upon you. It's not an extra thing to add on. It's not something, like you think, like I'm carrying all these things and now you're telling me to put a yoke on as well? Like, can't you see I'm heavy laden, Jesus? (laughs) Don't lay something else on me. But that is where he says, come, trust me. Come to me, trust me. I know what I'm doing. And he is standing next to you. A yoke is always tied to two oxen. He's always standing next to you. He says, Come partner with me. Partner with me with your daily schedule. Partner with me with your plans. Partner with me with your idea of rest. Partner with me with your idea of church. What does it mean to live the rest of your life? It means you have to partner with me. Take my yoke. Learn from me. He's a teacher, he is the best teacher that ever lived. He knows how life works. Learn from me. Don't try and do life Monday to Saturday and then Sunday is like, oh, okay, I just need to learn from Jesus a bit. Uh, let me catch my breath. Okay, let me go again. Every day, learn from me. The first thing to learn from him actually comes in the next line. There's Charles Spurgeon actually wrote, there's 89 chapters uh, in the Gospels, in the four Gospels. And it says a lot about what Jesus did. It says a lot about his disciples. It says about deliverance, his birth, everything. But there's only one space, one verse that talks about where, where Jesus refers to his own heart, refers to what he is standing for, refers to who he is. And think of that as. Like your LinkedIn profile status or something like that. Like, this is who I am. If you think of one, one line, who you are, that would sum you up, Warren. That would sum you up. What would that be? And we can say, Jesus is the king. We can say, Jesus the deliverer. Jesus the exalted. But what he chooses to say is, I am gentle and lowly in heart. That word gentle is the same word that we learned earlier this year in the beatitudes blessed are the meek Jesus can connect with the meek because his heart is meek his heart is gentle his heart is humble he is not someone that wags a finger at you for not listening to him he's someone who openly embraces you and says come to me come to me i will give you rest i'm gentle and lowly in heart. I'm not someone who's going to judge and stamp on you and talk down to you. I've got other words here. Uh, But I'm going to be kind to you. I'm lowly in heart. Um, In preparation, there's a a book that I would recommend that I read now for this. It is called Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. And I could really recommend it. Um, it really like speaks to the heart of Jesus. Um, it's a very quick read, but um, he takes this verse and he just expands on it about Jesus' heart, and it's the most beautiful thing if we just sit and ponder on that. But that's the first thing that we can learn from him: is being gentle, and being lowly, and being humble, being meek. You know, it's a, it's a kind of a, there's a kind of a pride in the sense of knowing like. Type A, I need to get these things done. There are so many things to do. I will plan my rest. I'll do my rest then. But I've got so many things to do, and then I'll get to Jesus. You know, Jesus, you can fit into my schedule when I find time for you. But there's a a certain sense of pride in that. Like, I can tell Jesus where he fits into my life. He's saying the first step is, be meek, be humble. Listen to me. Make me a part of your schedule. Let me tell you when I need to be part of your schedule. Don't you tell me, let me tell you and you will find rest for your souls. You'll find something else happening in your life. The um, next verse, the Greek word for um, my burden is light. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. So easy and light. That easy is kind of weird, like I've got an easy burden. It's also, a word that can be translated to kind. Like I've got, it, it connects with Jesus' gentle heart. I've got a kind burden that I'm putting on you. It's not something to harm you. It's not something to oppress you. It's something that will help you and be kind to you. But we have this thing in us called sin <laughs> that we seem not to be able to shake off even though we follow Jesus. I experienced this like the other day where Electra and I had plans and we agreed to the plans and everything was working fine and was going well and uh, and she asked me something in line with the plans to do something and I just like responded like no, I will not do that. Like kind of like, and even as I'm saying it, I I realized like, I don't even agree with what I'm saying. Like, I'm, I'm just like fighting against you because I want to fight against you. But it's like, but I don't really want to fight against you. Like, what's going on? This, this was this weird, I had this like out-of-body experience where I see myself like disagreeing with her and being mean to her with no reason whatsoever. And I realized, yo, that is sin. Like being a part of my, my flesh. It is like my flesh just responding out of self-interest. And I realized, Wow. I, I definitely need Jesus a lot more and she needs to forgive me a lot more than I realized because we've all got this thing in us that this pride this, this thing of I don't know if I can fully trust Jesus I don't know if this rest that he promises really is true like it's much easier to believe one day when I die I'll be in heaven but like aren't things going to fail now if I like put my schedule on Jesus like, it, like it makes more sense if I, in my own mind I plan my schedule I can trust myself I know what plans I need to do I know what, what is important because we've got this thing in us this sin that kind of like a what's it called like that um, I'll read a quote now by Martin Lloyd-Jones but it's it's, it's like um, what's that kind of uh, disease in you where you like it starts fighting autoimmune it fights it fights your own immune system. You start your like the thing like a like a arthritis. It's something that, that fights your own body, that is not supposed to fight your own body. It's like it doesn't make sense. You start fighting against yourself, and that's kind of what sin does as well. It's something that that fights, makes you fight against you, if that makes sense. So if we look at the quote, the next slide, it's just he obviously sums it up way more eloquently than I do. Where he says that. You'll never make yourself feel that you are a sinner because there is a mechanism in you as a result of sin, something caused by sin, that will always be defending you against every accusation. We're all on very good terms with ourselves and we can always put up a good case for ourselves. Have you seen this? Like where you can always justify your own actions. I did this because, you know, I know it was wrong, but I did it because of this. this But if someone else does it, you're like very quickly to judge. Oh no, you were wrong. And you need to repent. But we can make a very good case for ourselves. Even if we try to make ourselves feel that we are sinners, we will never do it. There is only one way to know that we are sinners, and that is to have some dim, glimmering conception of God. Only if we start spending time seeing God we start to realize the filth that is really so deeply rooted in us but at the same time jesus is gentle and humble heart and how he doesn't like squeal like at you like a boy does for a slug but he actually comes close to you in the midst of that filth and that is where his heart is that is who he came to save he came to save us every day So, if we look at this verse again, just the next slide. Jesus says, and this is something to really take into the new year as well, something to think about over this holiday. Jesus says, come to me, come to me with your schedule. Learn from me. It's not a one-time deal. You're not, there are many Christians sitting in church who don't follow Jesus. You can be a Christian without following Jesus. Following Jesus meaning learn from him. Take his yoke upon you. It's a daily thing. It is not a one-time deal. Okay, I'll learn from him on Sundays. It's a daily walk, discipleship journey with him. He says, come to me. So the first thing to remember today is make time to be with Jesus. It's his invitation. Be with Jesus. Secondly, he says there, take my yoke upon you and learn from me as we take his yoke upon us and as we learn from him we will become like him and we will do what he did we'll see in in John's letter near the end where Jesus is talking to his disciples he's actually saying at one point you will do more than what I did and we will become like him we will have will grow into having his character. We've got this cliche saying in church nowadays where okay now I'm going through suffering to build my character. It's like okay but for what? (laughs) Why are we building character? What's the point of that? It's like one day we're going to die. Okay what's the point? The whole idea of building character is that that Spider-Man thing with great power comes. Thank you. Jesus is building our character. He wants us to build our character. Not just for one day when we die, but for every day that we can expand this kingdom in our day-to-day lives. In the unprecedented scenarios that we find ourselves in. That was his plan from the beginning. It wasn't just Jesus do everything. It was Jesus, through his body, do everything. And we get to be a part of it. And we'll see in ourselves, especially if we're following Jesus for years, we'll see ourselves growing more patient. We'll see in ourselves growing more joyous. We'll see in ourselves growing more peaceful. That is the character and it's for a purpose. It's not just to be nicer Christians. It's so that we can apply the gospel to the world. So it's an invitation to be a disciple. And if you tell me, okay, but I honestly don't have time for quiet time. (laughs) It's a fair question. I honestly don't have time. I want to wake up at 5 a.m. And, and do it like, you know, I read the 5 a.m. club. I want to do it, but like, I, I really struggle. I can't do this. Or even if I do it, like, my kids wake up as well and I need to look after them. Like, there's no time. And I want to, I want to challenge this. Firstly, the idea of quiet time. I want to challenge that idea that it's not something that without that you can't follow Jesus. There are many different disciplines, many different things that you can apply in your lives that will help you to focus on Jesus and to learn from Him. One of those being silence and solitude. So that is not quiet time, like I need to take 30 minutes and read and pray and hear from Jesus something for today because uh, otherwise I'm on my own. It's a like one minute here, one minute there, one minute there. Just pause... And just turn back to Jesus. That's what repentance means. Just turn back and just focus. Even if he doesn't say anything to you, even if you don't say anything to him. Just realign. I'm here for you, Jesus. I want to follow you. I want to learn from you. Just start with that. It'll change your focus on the work that you're doing for the next hour, two, three hours. You can do that. One thing that we started doing now for the last 2-3 months we're still trying, practicing it it's really it's something that is a bit countercultural for our culture which is kind of weird but is like taking a more formal sabbath it's like taking a day off as best as we can it's not a religious thing where we're like okay we you know we need to be grim and silent the whole day it's something where we can set time aside just for rest it's a time for rest for our minds where I think like I have a tendency to see things and start thinking okay I need to fix that okay what if we do that better okay what if we can change that okay let me just clean this up and then I'll be better but it is a time for like turning our minds around like okay that is a mess I really want to clean the kitchen right now because I like it just annoys me to go in I don't want to go in there but being at rest like forcing ourselves and teaching ourselves again what it means to be at rest it is a day where I actually switch off my phone. I, I don't have my phone here today. Like, I would, and I actually want to invite you to do the same. It's been, made such a difference. Bring an actual Bible to church. Switch your phone off on a Sunday just at church. Bring an actual Bible. See the difference that it makes. We have such an ingrained temptation to look and be distracted the whole time. In the middle of a preach, you see people like doing everything, watching the soccer score or whatever which is fine, I'm just saying it's something that distracts you from following Jesus, from coming to Him and becoming like Him and finding that rest. We have started doing that, we're not doing it perfectly at all. We're getting there. But it has made such a difference in the rest of my week. To take one day completely off, no distractions, just relax, rest, recover. It has had an impact on the rest of my week where this year, even though this last couple of months has been busier than before, it has taught me to trust in Jesus. It has taught me to trust in God rather than myself. Because if I trust in myself, I I need to fit in everything, into every schedule. Even Sundays, I need to make a place to to get everything done because (sighs) the new week is coming. But just like, if it falls, it falls. It's okay. And trusting Jesus in that. So that's just one, one thing that I would recommend So, just in conclusion, from that first image, I don't think there's another slide, but from that first image where Joseph and Mary you know, had to trust God, they were definitely in a time of suffering. They were definitely in time, you know, that whole nine months must not have been easy. It must have been really tough on them. Things were not working out as they expected for their lives. But they trusted God. And we saw kingdom life coming there. And we have the opportunity this Christmas and in the new year, in our schedules, not to wish away time and plan rest in our own schedules, but to find true rest for our souls by knowing that we are Jesus' body and we extend his kingdom in the most unexpected places of our lives. Father, I pray that you would make this true in our lives. That this would take root. Jesus, that we can trust you, that we can have faith in you. That you are the one who brings true rest. That you, you bring soul rest. And without that, even body rest doesn't really make a difference. You give us a sense of peace in our inner being. Everything around us can just be chaos. Things don't work out. Our plans don't go as we want. There's interruptions. But that's part of this world. That's part of this, this kingdom of death that's happening around us. But we can look forward. We have a hope of a new kingdom coming. Jesus, of you restoring everything. And we know that we, as an extension of you, as being your body we can bring that kingdom however imperfectly in our day to day lives and in the process you will restore us you will bring us rest and that's something we look forward to it's something that we long for Jesus fill us with your spirit guide us teach us Lord we're counting the cost of what it means to follow you we're seeing that it does take effort it does take effort putting a yoke on us, but that yoke actually makes our burdens lighter, and let it be that way, Lord. Teach us to be humble, teach us to be gentle, to be meek, as we live out your kingdom over the Spirit and into the new year. Amen.